Blog Talk Radio.
Um, and we said we'd talk about those two things at the top of the show. So if you have an example of um, what came up for you as you were noticing and paying attention to your relationships with others beyond your significant other or your closest family members, please dial in at uh, area code 347-850-1523. Or if you want to share how you felt or what you ended up writing as you wrote yourself a love letter, also dial in. Uh, Leslie and I would love to talk to you. So um, let's see if any of you did your homework, and Leslie and I will talk a little bit about what came up for us as we reflected on those two homework assignments right after this break. Call in during the show with your comments or questions. 
I've made it a habit. So I spoke to her and I asked her her name and, you know, she asked me a question and, you know, I told her I was from Texas and she had relatives who lived in Texas. And she did her work and I was finishing up some work on the computer. So we didn't chat for 15 minutes, but we had a very easy and respectful interaction. And, you know, she made a few other comments to me. I made a few other comments to her. Um, and, in fact, that's, those are the kind of relationships we often ignore. Right. Or we're very rude or we um, don't consider them as an opportunity to allow spirit to show up and to recognize spirit as that or God in the form of that other person. And I am fairly certain because I know you that your intent was very pure just to connect with her. See, I tend to be nice to people because then I want better towels or fresh service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that never crossed See, my mind. See, I know you I was sharing a little bit about me. Yeah, but that's right. But that is that is a significant relationship. And I, I had an interesting experience with relationships over the weekend. I went to a wedding in Houston, and it... Uh, was the daughter of a very good friend of mine. And the first thing I had to kind of come to grips with is that I'm at that time of life where my friend's children are now marrying. That was sort of distressing. But um, this is a woman that I used to work with about uh, four or five years ago. And we, a group of four of us would go out to happy hour every month. And we really bonded. And she had a son who was, who was killed in a car wreck his senior year of his high school and she and I got kind of close around that experience, and we really have a good friendship. And then when I left that job, or when I got fired from that job, let me just refresh that, um, I uh, continued the friendship with her, but it was a little bit harder. And, and the four of us would probably once a quarter we get together now, the last year about four or five times. And I really didn't want to go to Houston. I needed, wanted to be at church yesterday because there was an activity going on in church I wanted to be a part of, and I didn't want to be away from my animals because I'm rather codependent. And I just didn't want to go, but it was so important to her to have the four of us there to be sitting out at the table for her to see. And so we all kind of made the effort and rented a car and drove down and drove back in the middle of the night kind of thing to get there. And it was interesting, as I was sitting there, I felt so good supporting her that way. And I saw how significant. And, I mean, her daughter came over to us, who doesn't know us at all, and was like, oh, my mother loves you and this meant so much for you all to be here. And so I understood in that moment how relationships take work. You know, it, it's it's really easy for me to sit up here and say, oh, I've got these great relationships. And, and I do, but I see all y'all, you know, all the time, naturally. You know, what if I had to get on a train or a plane or write a letter, you know? How much work am I willing to put forth in different relationships? And so I was very aware over the weekend that, um, you know, that's on me, is my my willingness to put the work in. And I really don't have any judgment about that. Oh, thank God. However, but, yeah. however uh-huh. I am so super conscious of all the things that you make work. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> That's right. It's such hard work. It's to, such hard work. Right. And we have to work no, at okay. these relationships. Oh, my God. I had to drive down there. I had to set the alarm. I had to, yeah. That's funny. You can loan me some money for therapy? Would that be? Uh, 
That's good, well, Trace. And and then what that trigger yes. for me is. And then also I wanted to be praised for the work that I did, really, too. Did you catch that? I caught that part. I wanted a <laughs> lot of, oh, you did such a good girl, Leslie. You did really, really good. Thank God for you. Yeah, I caught that part. I didn't catch the word part. Thanks for pointing that out, yeah. Well, and, and the word that kept coming to me was, is it work or is it commitment? Well, Because yeah. commitment is my word, and... But for me, commitment doesn't mean it's hard work. It means you make a decision. You're committed to that. Mm-hmm. And so then you make decisions based on that priority right. or that commitment. So the what then the image or the kind of corollary that came to mind for me is, oh, yeah, well, Kim and Nadir. So two of my best friends, Kim and Nadir, about two years ago, maybe three years ago, but definitely at least two years ago, um, we were having a conversation about how we are often talking to each other, but the three of us are friends, and so we end up telling each other the same stories. So if I have a conversation with Kim, then, you know, two days later I'm having a conversation with Nadir, but I'm telling them the same stories so that all three of us are on the same page, right? Right. And all three of us were doing that. So it's like six conversations when it could be one conversation. Yes, if you're in the same room. Yeah. So we decided that we use the phone all the time. We all have three-way calling. Why didn't we just have one conversation at one time? Ah. And we tried it a couple of times and loved it. And you know, but we knew if we didn't schedule it, that we're all busy. We all travel. You know. So now we have a standing conference call oh, with the fun. three of us twice a month. And yeah, that sounds like fun. That doesn't sound like work. Right. And that's so when you said work, I was like, oh, is that well no, it doesn't feel like work. But it is that sense, as you said, of relationships being when you when you decide this isn't a relationship that's important to me, you have to make a choice. And commitment is a softer word, isn't it? Not really. I well, maybe. I think it's a little softer than work. Work is a well, we've had four-letter work. <laughs> yeah, count. Yeah, but so. we've had that conversation before. Because when I think of work, I think of joy and passion and alignment with the core of who I am. I don't. I. I don't. Unless I say it's hard work. Ah, work itself by itself doesn't mean any painful, hard, yeah. terrible. No. Yeah. Get fired from. Doesn't come back to you. None uh, of that. No. <laughs> and I've been fired. There you go. There you go. No. Still bitter. So now, writing a letter to ourselves, <laughs> a love letter to ourselves. Yes. I um I did not do that. But you've done it in the past. I've done it many times in the past. Because you're the one who gave the example. And you know what I've done in the past too that I had forgotten about, but I think this is pretty cool. Is I've written a letter to myself, a love letter to myself from God. And I think I've had nice. that in in some some classes or you know workshops or things you know people have, but that is a very cool experience to write, you know, an encouragement letter and have it be from God, dear Leslie, love God kind of letter. Yeah, that's I've done that too, and that's really powerful. If you don't, I mean, when you really sit down and you're in the right frame of mind and you. Do it, not you just kind of flippantly go, okay, what would God say? I'm, you know, yeah, I'm right, wonderful, right. I'm fabulous, you're perfect. Right. 
but really like maybe from a meditative state mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be really helpful. So um, we hope that you. Um, oh, I didn't see what I did with that. I did. Yes, did you do I, your well, homework? Well, I, I journaled. Did you do any of your work when I? <laughs> When I was journaling one day, I I did do the, you know, write yourself a love letter assignment. And what was interesting, really interesting for me, because, you know, I didn't have any anxiety about doing this this homework assignment. Right. Um, There were two things that were really interesting. One was that things came up that there was a lot about forgiveness, you know. So it was, um, you know, it was easy almost for me to, like, write about what I love about myself, but it ended up being a lot about forgiving myself for not being true to what I love about myself or what I know about myself, you know, that's not showing up. Um, So that surprised me because I wasn't anticipating that. And then the other thing that was very interesting, it wasn't so much a surprise, but it's very interesting. I am participating in this 11-day Soulmate Summit. What is that? And so, well, it's an online series of teleseminars that you can listen to every day, and they have all these different experts from John Gray to Mars and Venus guy to Ariel Ford, who wrote The Soulmate Secret. She's one of the coordinators of this, to... You know, all kinds of of folks. So, um, and the way, that's another whole story about how I started um, doing this. But it's 11 days, and it started last Monday. So the day I happened to sit down to do the love letter, I I was already, you know, a few days into this soulmate summit of listening to the recordings and the interviews with all these experts about love and relationships. And so what was interesting was that I wanted to stop writing the love letter to myself, which was the assignment, and I really wanted to write the love letter to the love of my life who is coming into my life, even though I don't know who it is or when it's happening. Oh, there's a song about that, but yeah, that's good. Okay, go ahead. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And so... um, which is not something that's been on my, you know, primary love relationship has not been high on my priority list lately in the last couple of years. And so clearly wow. it, that that energy is shifting. So in, a little teleseminar can do for you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and a whole lot of coincidences <laughs> in the last two weeks pointing in that direction. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting to write the letter to myself just put me in that frame of mind of really being open mm, right about taking in love mm-hmm. because I could I need to love myself and know what is good about myself right so I don't know if anybody else had that experience um this time around I've written love letters to myself before and that has never happened so uh, I really had no way to anticipate that but, yeah, it's one more sign on the chain that the energy is, uh, one more link in the chain that the energy is clearly shifting. And, see, and that is a wonderful thing in, in, about this radio show, radio show of saying yes to spirit and looking for ways to say yes to spirit, being aware of what's going on around us, noticing those links and, and those coincidences and those themes in our life is another huge part of 
you know, being present. Right. If I pay attention to spirit in this way, right. it expands my ability to notice the work of spirit or the hand of spirit touching my life in lots of other ways, Mm -hmm. where most of the time, most people are just doing life and not even sensitive to what's going on or what's what's available to them. What are the messages they're getting back from, from their efforts, right? We should do a show about that. And you said something else that I think really uh, ties into our new topic today of addiction. You said love yourself, and that's a... That's an amazing um, thread in the recovery process of any kind of addiction, you know, whether it just be something as serious as like shooting heroin in my arm or something, you know, eating a chocolate bonbon every night before I go to sleep. I mean, addiction is such such a thread of not loving myself. So maybe we can take a break and return back to talking about that. Yes. Encouraging you on your spiritual path, hosted by Leslie and Tracy. And you know what we haven't said in a while is that yeah, the show is about encouraging others on their spiritual path, but it really is our opportunity every week to at least <laughs> encourage ourselves. I'm doing it all for me, really, pretty much. Yeah. You know, I'm, I need the towels. You know, so it's all about my money. And it's already, I mean, you know, I just get reminded so often how just by knowing, you know, by us talking about these topics, you know, things come up in my life and I pay attention to them both, how well I'm doing some Mm -hmm. weeks and other weeks how much more I have the opportunity to do. And that's another thing, talking about addictions and looking at 12-step programs, I've been a uh, a member of the uh, the uh, Lois friend of Lois group, which if you're in AA, they'll if you're out in public and you don't want to kind of out yourself, you'll say, "Are you a friend of Bill W., who was the founder of AA?" And Lois was Bill W.'s wife, so I will say I'm a friend of Lois for about 30 years now. And the the, the idea, the concept of going to a meeting is that exact same kind of thing of you know making that effort not working, making commitment to go to a weekly meeting. Again, you know, having us have the weekly show, you know, that, 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 that repetition and that routine of getting into a healthy pattern really does change lives. Yeah. 
So addiction, addiction at the bottom line, when you take away all of the uh, decorations around it, mm-hmm. all the, take the makeup off, right? Addiction boils down to I don't love myself. Isn't that what you said that, before the that's break? That's what I said. I'm sticking to it on some level. That's the message. There's something about us that we don't, that, something about me that I'm not, you know, fully in acceptance of, fully embracing, ashamed of, or hiding from, or a secret. Um, 12-step programs talk a lot about we're as sick as our secrets. And, you know, addiction is um, many times begins in a secretive kind of reactive kind of experience. Um, you know, maybe I'm having a bad day, so I eat a piece of pie, and that makes me feel better one time. So there's sort of a, um, they call it a, Slot in, in Vegas, what do you play the, the slot machine. slot machines when you put your quarters in and you get that thousand dollar thing when you pull it, you get that one boom, and you get a thousand dollars. The idea is sometimes when you begin the addiction and you're eating the pie or you're getting high or you're having sex or you're spending money, that initially in that addiction there is that euphoria or that high or that excitement, you get that thousand dollars. And then the addiction becomes ugly and useless and deteriorates us and is harmful to us, but we still have the memory of pulling the lever and getting that $1,000. So we continue eating the pie or having sex or spending money or shooting up um, in in hunt of that of that initial euphoria that we got. And I think that's one funny thing. I used to do tons of education classes in schools. And we would sit there and read these things to kids that says, you know, getting high is bad for you and you, you know, and I'm like, you know, at some level we have to accept that initially it's not always a terrible thing. And so if the kids get this message that it's a horrible thing and then they have the experience of, you know, getting a little high and it being a positive thing for them, then it, they automatically discount everything we say after that. Immediately. Right. So I think it's always interesting to say, you know, sometimes these things can be fun or useful even. I know my eating on some level was useful to my therapeutic process in terms of it protected me from my feelings to get too big. If I was getting too out of control of my feelings, if I ate a piece of candy, it really did calm me down. And so and there was function to that. In when you don't have any other when you don't have a more effective long term coping right. mechanism or right. skill, you're not even aware mm-hmm. of what's happening. Correct. Which is why I mean we we mostly when we think of addiction or addicts, we do think of, you know, kind of the big five, or the, the ones that mm-hmm. come up the most, alcoholism, mm-hmm. overeating, you sex, know, money. sex, money, you know, yeah, overspending. Those, those kinds of things come up. But all of us technically are mm-hmm. addicted. All the mm-hmm. things that we do by habit, or we get upset if someone changes something, or we get mm-hmm. married and they, you know, the person we marry does things one way and we do it the other, and we're so attached to the way that we do it that it has to be done. I mean, we get anxious and we get angry mm-hmm. if it's not done that way and force the other person to that. I mean, on a mm-hmm. on a base definition scale, that we're addicted to that way or that process. But mostly when we talk about addiction, we're talking about you know, looking for love outside of ourselves, looking for some outer substance or activity to fill the hole, the emotional hole mm-hmm. that somehow it has come.
come up in our lives that we didn't have a better way to cope with right. at a certain point in our lives. And there is an amazing thing. I'm glad you said that about not being aware because there's a, a time in the disease process or in the addiction journey that um, most likely we're going to have an awareness of what's going on. Either somebody's going to come from the outside in and, and give us some ideas or solution, maybe a therapist, maybe a friend, maybe a, a, a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point when we start getting some outside influence, some information, and we become aware, then we become accountable. I'm really big into the idea that, you know, the the drunk driver that hits and kills someone in their disease that has never been to an AA meeting, doesn't know anything about recovery, doesn't know anything about the disease, yes, they are responsible. They are, uh, they are, no, back, back that up, they are accountable. They have to go to prison and serve the jail term for killing that person. They are accountable, but they're really not responsible because they didn't know what they didn't know. There's so many people that don't have anyone in their life giving them any alternative solutions. I mean, that's one of the key things of why I wanted to do this radio show in the beginning, too, was to really just have a have a, a place to give information. Here's what's worked for me. Call in. Tell me what's worked for you. Because that experience of sharing, experience, strength, and hope, which is the 12-step mantra, you know, that changes lives. And, and once people become aware then they become responsible for being able to make a different choice. But until we have that awareness, we really can live in that disease or that addiction or that unknown place for a long time. And how many times do we step into somebody else's life and say, hey, you know, I think there's is an issue or a concern, and, and how important that is to take those take those risks and say, hey, I'm concerned about you, Sally Sue, you know. You've been doing this and this and that and giving examples of their behavior and saying, you know, we need to do this to help you because Sally Sue is out of control and we're all sitting around talking about Sally Sue at night and over, you know, on the phone, but nobody's talking to Sally Sue and saying we're concerned. Or nobody's talking to Sally Sue in a way that she can hear it and hear hear love Mm -hmm. instead of judgment. Good point. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of people I know who a lot of people were talking to them, but they were pointing their fingers in their face mm-hmm. and they were calling them bad and telling them they were going to hell and they were um, hurting people. Sinning I mean, or something. It was just constantly giving them more negative, but not not saying, I love you and I understand this is hard for you. Have you ever thought about A, B, or C? Or could I introduce you to my friend, you know, Leslie, who, you know, could help, could would be willing to talk to you about this, mm-hmm. you know. And if, if all they're getting is negative, that's just pushing them that much further into whatever is driving. Shame or secrecy right. or, yeah, mm-hmm. And that that is true too because when you're when you're doing an intervention, you know, which I love that TV show interventions they've made famous now, but we would always do interventions and you have people write letters to their loved one that they're doing the intervention with, and the, the form of the letter is to say only how their behavior affects me. This mm-hmm. is how your behavior affects me. So I'm not really commenting on your behavior outside of how it affects me. And then B, the final sentence is always, I love you so much 
you know, this is what I'm going to do if you don't get help. And then you put that bottom line of what you're going to do. But to help people understand that it is coming out of love is so important. And depending on how far people are gone in the addiction, many times, you know, they still don't hear it even when you say it. So um, when you think of addiction and saying yes to spirit, how does that connect? I mean, they're pausing, waiting for you to have. Is there supposed to be a connection? I thought you were going to have that answer. You always try to pull that back. Well, yeah. 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 So, obviously, well, the question is, in saying yes to spirit, is that helpful in pulling away from addiction or in in helping you move beyond addiction, move through the addiction to something better? where you're more conscious. I mean, I think the more you say yes to spirit, the more you become conscious and aware of the the spiritual truth mm-hmm. about the world, you know, that the world really isn't out to get you and the world really mm. can't, is a friendly place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you say yes to spirit, the more you learn about the spiritual truth of yourself and that you were born as an original blessing with an original blessing and that you are unique and that you are God an expression of God's love. And so, you know, saying yes to spirit builds helps to build those supportive blocks mm-hmm. that you can then step across the addiction into a better life, in my opinion. Like that, yes, we, we assume that everything we say is our own opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you don't always have my opinion, which is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you said steps, you know, there's there are 12 steps. Now, I don't know this about you. You might not want to share this, but have you ever been to any kind of 12-step meeting? You don't have to disclose what kind. You could just say, yes, you've sat in the walls of a 12-step meeting before. No, you have not. Yes, no. You don't want to I have been to. Mm-hmm. stepped into I the have. walls. Mm-hmm. So you saw Several the times. the steps. There's always steps. Mm-hmm. The twelve steps, mm-hmm. and the and the twelfth step is having had a spiritual awakening. Yes, which I think is so fascinating because it is making the assumption that if you work these twelve steps, that you will have a spiritual awakening. And and certainly that has been my experience and the experience of you know thousands, millions of people, millions, probably billions of people across the country, world that have worked in different twelve step programs. You know. That is the journey of recovery is to have a spiritual experience. And um, I had a spiritual experience with food the first time that I got into OA about 20 years ago, and I was trying to be was trying. That's not a good. I was, I was working at. Um, I was uh, <laughs> starting my abstinence, and uh, um, eating is a little different. You can't just not eat like you exactly. can just not drink. So. The way we would admit our powerlessness, which is the first step, admit we're powerless over the whatever it is, is that we had to write down our food plan and give our food plan at the beginning of the week to our sponsor, and then if we were to change anything, we had to get a hold of our sponsor before we could change anything. So it took our, it took our, you know, um, control away, and we had to give our control, our power over food to, to the sponsor. And the third day, my dad went into the hospital, and I couldn't eat the dinner because I was at the hospital. I had written on my form, and um, 
there was also a timing thing to it. You're supposed to. I, I, one of my things was eating late at night in the middle of the night, so I had to, you know, have my dinner by 7:30 and be done for the night with my food. So I knew I had to like seven o'clock to eat dinner, and I'm calling my sponsor, and this was before cell phones. So I'm in the hospital, running to you know another empty room and calling her, and she's not answering. And um, it was raining outside, and I kept going back, and, and, and as I was going back from room to room, calling her, I. First, I was just, you know, I want to get a hold of her and work this out. And I was calm, and it's going to be fine. And she didn't answer. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen if she doesn't answer? And, you know, 7 o'clock comes, and, I can't. and then I got into a panic. I got worried. I got very nervous. And I'm still running back and forth. And then I got mad. I was like, oh. And then I got mad at her. Oh, screw you. What are you doing? You're supposed to be my sponsor. Where the hell are you? And I'm just furious, right? And then I get, like, you know, it's 6.50, and I get in there, and I – calling her and she's not answering for the you know 13th time and I look outside it's raining and I just break down I just you know I'm sobbing I'm sure people thought someone had died you know they're walking my over and I'm like I just gave up I said I can't do it I, I you know I've tried I've done everything in my power I mean it sounds like a lifetime movie but it really happened and I just gave up and I was I told I called out to God and I said I can't do it I'm, I'm you know I don't know what to do I can't get a hold of her I'm supposed to do this. I'm trying the best I can. You know, I'm trying something new. At this point, I hadn't had any therapy. I really wasn't, you know, as smart as I am now. Thank you. And then I uh, walked back to my dad's room, and it's like five till seven, three till seven, something really, you know, dramatically close to seven. And um, I used my dad's phone. I thought, well, I'll just try one more time. And sure enough, she answered. And she said, okay, whatever's in the hospital cafeteria. And my thing with food was I was always, more than just physically eating tons of food, I was mentally obsessed with food. As soon as I in it, it, it finished one meal, I wanted to think about another one. And mm-hmm. while I was eating, I was looking at your plate going, I wish she would let me have a bite of that. And I was just mentally obsessed. And I went to dinner that night in the cafeteria with my mother, and I, that obsession was gone. Perfect. Black and white, gone. And, you know, that was really an interesting process of how, you know, I believe that in that, you know, 45-minute period, I had a spiritual experience because I worked the steps <laughs> in a strange way, you know, and not knowing it, yeah, not having any idea. Yeah. It's amazing, and it was the time for that mm-hmm. to happen. It happened just the way it was supposed to. So um, Ernest Holmes talks about addiction this way. He says, by and large, alcohol addiction and we know that then we can apply it to everything else. When this was written in the twenty late 20s or early 30s, um, the main thing people talked about with any kind of addiction was alcoholism. Right. Uh, but we know the pattern applies to everything else. So by and large, alcoholic addiction is the result of a wrong adjustment to life. Mm. It is the result of an emotional unbalance following one's inability squarely to meet the situations and conditions that arise in personal experience. Can you say that again? Do you mind? Say it again? Yes, please. By and large, addiction is the result of a wrong adjustment to life. It is the result of an emotional unbalance following one's inability to squarely meet the situations and conditions that arise in personal experience. So it's me making a bad choice or not not making the healthiest choice when something happens that I don't know how to deal with. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, inability Mm -hmm. to deal, to Mm -hmm. meet whatever is happening when you're a child Mm -hmm. and something happens that's really an adult situation, you cope with it whatever way you can Mm because that's all you know. Mm -hmm. You don't have the ability to cope with it as an adult or even as an adult something traumatic happens and you don't really know how to deal with it. You are emotionally imbalanced, mm-hmm. and so you do something. You do have a few drinks. You go out and buy a new designer's handbag. You know, you go shopping. You you know, you do things. You go find your drug dealer. I mean, you do things because you're so emotionally out of balance and don't know what to do, it, and then that becomes a habit. And that thing settles you. For and the moment, initially, you at least, makes you forget you, about yeah, right, it. Right, right. right, it gives you what feels like an emotional balance. Mm-hmm. And I, and I really, you know, had, before I had read this quote a couple years ago, I don't think I had totally thought so much about, you know, of so much of the of the talk says somebody drinks or they get high because they love the feeling of it. Right. You know, they just love the feeling of getting high. Well, the reality is what they love is that they are no longer consumed by whatever the emotional imbalance is. And I think a lot of times that's more powerful than really the physical experience Mm -hmm. of getting high. You know that feeling is taking away the pain from the emotional thing. And so you're choosing that physical experience over the emotional pain that you don't know what to do with. Right. And that certainly is, as as the disease grows, mm-hmm. that is certainly more and more and more the case. Yeah. And then we become to the point that, you know, we're so lost without it, we don't, you know, it becomes people will literally lose families and jobs and lifestyles because they cannot experience or see or know a way out or without what they believe is keeping them happy, soothing them, exactly. protecting them. Yeah. So, so it absolutely, I think you know this 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 commitment to getting into what's really behind the actions. Right. You have to have some kind of spiritual base to be able to navigate that. And I do think that's one of the reasons why the the huge variety of 12-step programs are as successful as they are. There's their structure, which has a built-in sense of discipline, mm-hmm. but they're really driven into a spirituality, not a religion, right. but a spirituality, a spiritual approach to life mm-hmm. that you know, never necessarily uses the term God. God as we understand him. And so, and then you, you know, then you're free to understand God in whatever way works for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's not one prescription about what God is, how God looks, how God acts, et cetera. And so in that sense, I think that's, I do believe that's one of the reasons it works. Because in effect, it's training people to say yes to spirit. Yes, it is exactly right. Say yes to spirit being 
the the guide for how you can live life. Say yes to spirit for God being the the protector of your best interests. Say yes to spirit that you are here for a reason, and that's between you and God. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just ask all of the 12-step programs to change their <laughs> subtitles. Say yes to spirit. And listen to Tracy and Leslie every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. It's a new bumper sticker. And, you know, that is so true. Though. It is a, it is begin, it begins and it ends in a spiritual program because it's getting in that flow of spirit. And, yeah. and the more we say yes and the more we relinquish our power and accept the natural flow of the God expressing from within, um, you know, we can relax into understanding. There really is no, there's no cliff. There's nothing that we can't um, experience without, with fear. You know, because I think the addiction is living in that state of fear. One of the promises is uh, at the end of the 12 steps, it says if you go through these 12 steps and you do them to the best of your ability, you get these 12 promises, which is always a nice little technique. It's like mm-hmm. if you read the whole book, you get, you know. But um, one of the promises is God will do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And I think that's an example in my life of how when I get out of the way and get in that flow, things seem to just magically happen for me. You know, metaphorically, the lights turn green. And, um, you know, in 12-step program, it's kind of that outside conduit thing, God coming in and now transferring my belief to that idea of, you know, God coming through from within. and But just that flow of good, the flow of the universe that's, you know, propelling me into a direction. If I'm looking for the links of life, saying time to get into a soul spirit, soul mate series. <laughs> Paying attention to what spirit is saying and getting in that flow um is a powerful thing. And when I'm not in the flow and when I'm resisting spirit, you know, spirit's fairly fairly certain it wants my good. And so I think there is a lot of um, doors that have slammed and windows that have gone shut that I really was certain, you know, were the thing that I needed at the time. And in reflection, you know, really was spirit God doing for me what I could not do for myself. Yes. So um, I am very aware that we are two-thirds of the way through the show, and we haven't heard a devotion. And we don't always have a devotion, but I sure don't want us to go through the show if you have a devotion you want to share. I I do enjoy talking about the devotions. I mean, this one will maybe actually end. Remember last week I thought I'd point that out again, my... Failure. Yeah. That's the other I people love may have how you pay attention. Right. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else even heard yeah. it the first time. There you go. Um, this one is uh, Attitude of Gratitude, and that's a huge 12-step. Attitude of Gratitude. Yeah. The fake Christmas trees have been up in the stores for three weeks. Christmas <laughs> lights went up on houses in my neighborhood two weeks ago. Christmas ads have been running for a month on TV. Today is Thanksgiving. I got angry at how we seemed to overlook Thanksgiving. This morning I realized I too had overlooked Thanksgiving and my anger was mostly about my recent lack of gratitude. 12-step programs talk about having an attitude of gratitude. I heard someone in a meeting say, I can't be in a state of gratitude and a state of fear at the same time. 
Lately, I have chosen fear. I have a hunch God remains a steady pulse of gratitude every moment of every day, knowing no other day but Thanksgiving. 12-step programs also tell me I can start my day over whenever I want. Now, I am starting to celebrate Thanksgiving, and I know I can make that choice every moment of every day. Yes. You know, that gratitude thing is just, that can change a life. If you don't do anything, if I don't do anything but that, my life, my day is pulled out of negative thinking when I start looking at what I'm grateful for. And that gratitude list, I think, is, you know, I hear about that in a lot of places. And I'm I'm giving credit to the 12-step program for starting it in response to, poor me, I'm an addict. Nothing ever goes my way. You know, I'm looking back. We've been doing this show for 11 months. Wow. Happy anniversary. Almost. Happy anniversary. Almost. And I'm looking back at the list, and we've never done a show on gratitude. Because <laughs> we've had to work so hard. We, well, <laughs> I mean, we've brought it up a lot. We've, That's interesting. We've talked about the importance of gratitude on a lot of different shows. Mm. But when you just said it, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, it comes up naturally mm-hmm. for us in a lot of different mm-hmm. topics. But I think we should do a full show mm-hmm. on gratitude. Oh, my goodness, yes. And that really is, uh, you know, again, one of the, I think, cornerstones of the 12-step program. Um Certainly in Al-Anon, one of our big themes is detaching with love and understanding how um, I can be loving and grateful and appreciate what's going on in your life and love the essence of God within you and hate that, you know, that the disease has taken over and that there's behaviors that come out through the disease that are just really unattractive. And it's fascinating to me how many um, women... There's usually more women in the Al-Anon rooms. But uh, how many women have choose to stay married to their practicing alcoholic? And they, it is kind of an sh- interesting, magical thing that they can do, that they have that way to see and be grateful and appreciate the good and, and detach from that disease and not take that personally. And that's a pretty amazing thing to watch. Yes. So addiction in terms of saying yes to spirit is really, I think, I think as you said, it's, it's, it's very much a 12-step recovery process is saying yes to spirit. And when um, spirit, you know, we're working those steps or we're going and doing our spiritual program, I think everything that we do kind of has that same rhythm to it, that same mantra to it. And, you know, we all just find different paths, different ways of doing it. But the addiction, in a strange way, I believe, is the method or the path that a lot of people get into some sort of spiritual program. It opens that door. Yeah, and if you believe, as I do, that really, bottom line, they're they're not mistakes, and we right. each have to travel our path back to God in our own way. That. Yeah, it is a very valid way to find peace, find an inner peace. 
and having had the contrast of total chaos mm-hmm. and total self-disrespect to then travel full circle to come around to, oh, okay, there is something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a power for good in the universe that's bigger than me and I can use it. You know, that that whole enlightenment, mm-hmm. some for some people can't happen until they've been in darkness. Right. Or what feels like darkness. So um, I, I it has really made me even more careful about judging people mm. who are who seem to be in pain or confusion or fear. Um because while I may not have experienced it at the level they are experiencing it, right. I have felt it in a very strong and powerful way in my own life and the way it has shown up. And, yeah, to just realize that, you know, for whatever reason, that's what they have to experience in order to at least have the chance to come right around. And that doesn't mean they necessarily will, but... In in this physical lifetime, right? Or that opportunity, the door, <laughs> the door opens many times in many different ways. Interestingly enough, um, I thought about a book years ago titled "To Be Don't Wait Till You You Are Finding Out You're Dying to Start Living." Because many times, you know, that's mm-hmm. how we kind of discover yeah. that journey of freedom is through difficulty. And there is other ways to learn. Through good things. I read that in the book as well. <laughs> it is definitely possible. <laughs> definitely, definitely possible. If we choose it. So, anything else about addiction and saying yes to spirit as a path beyond addiction? You know, the uh, you said something about Ernest Holmes, and I, I do think there was an interesting connection I read in a book somewhere or heard someone talk about it that they had a feeling that Ernest Holmes, who's the founder of the science of mind philosophy or way of life or thinking, whatever we want to call it, um, was in similar pattern circles in new Bill W. Because they, the, the AA concept in Bill W., they were contemporaries in that time frame. And, um, and I do think when you really do drill down the steps, they are looking at it's a very it's a very spiritual way of connecting a day to day program, a day to day experience of turning my life and my will over to the care of God, which we've talked about in here before, the four kingdoms of being a victim and being in control and then being a conduit and letting God work through you and then being God expressing. The the twelve steps are just fruit of the third kingdom there, being a conduit, letting God work through us, through those steps, getting out of the way, giving up our control, admitting our powerlessness. And let it go. Watch out, baby, when it comes. Step back. Green light. So that's why you love the four kingdoms so much. It's exactly true, yeah. It's an amazing, yeah. I mean, that that third kingdom is all 12 steps. It was funny because I used to say that the third step, I, well, no, I don't actually, so I shouldn't lie, but I used to say for like 30 years the third step prayer every morning, and um, I would symbolically kind of get on my knees and I would reach my arms up just to kind of give myself, you know, some mojo with it. 
and I would sense this energy force of God coming in, and then I would visualize my day, and I would see that light or that energy going out from me. And so when I started doing science of mind and new thought kind of thing, I would do the same kind of thing on my knees, but then I would, like, put my arms to my chest, and I was like, oh, this is just stupid. <laughs> you know, God's in there. Don't, no, I can't do it. No, that's stupid. That's not for me. You know, so I had to go through that whole thing for several months. Yeah, so it's isn't it fun to talk about me and my journey. It's such an entertaining journey and a journey that is so real for so many people, not just you. Mm -hmm. So it is really, really helpful that you are willing to do that. I am just so interested in sharing my journey. But next week, do we even know next week's topic so that I can think about what I'm going to say for next week? (laughs) Next week we are going to be talking about miracles. Oh, Love that. Are there miracles? What is a miracle? If God is everything and everywhere, is it even possible for there to be a miracle? Thank you, What miracles have shown up in my life and your life? So next week is all about miracles. And this week we could look for the miracles and and see if we get a sense of, how do we define? Is it only when, you know, the blind can see or is it, you know, when the light turns green? So, but what we need to remind everybody is that next week is not next Monday. In fact, yes. next week is this week on Saturday. So we are moving the show from Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time to Saturdays at 10 a.m. Central Time beginning this Saturday, September 20. Uh, September. <laughs> you are jumping ahead. Or February, what you want? This Saturday, February twenty sixth, ten a.m. to eleven a.m. Central Time, right here on BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash YTS for Yes to Spirit. Yes, indeed, that's going to be fun to go to the weekend and uh, encourage each other on the weekends. A lot of times, Monday mornings. Uh, you know, you get, you get that high from Sunday, it kind of glows for two or three days if you go to church. So Saturdays, sometimes the gas is just out, almost out of the tank. So it'll be a good reminder on Saturday morning, hey, set the tone for the beginning right. of the weekend. So tell all your friends, all those friends who um, have not been able to listen live because they've been at work on Mondays at 11 a.m., could join us live on Saturday mornings. And, of course, if you or your friends are not able to join us live on Saturday mornings, it will still be recorded and available for you to listen in the archives. Put a comment on the website, and we'll look at that and talk about that as well. I like reading comments. Mm -hmm. So um, that's it for this week. And uh, in the meantime, say Say yes yes to Guys, I didn't treat me right I ain't gonna lie, I ain't gonna lie 
Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.